Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. It is uh, Friday, and what an interesting uh, week we're having here in, in the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and we want to process that today. We want to open up uh, the text line. We want to hear from you. We want you to help us, um, and we want to help you as well. I'm going to be uh, joined by uh, Pastor David Miles. He'll be coming on the program for the full hour and there's a good chance Daryl B. Harrison will be joining me as well. He's got a very busy schedule out in California today, but he said I'm planning on making it, and he'll hopefully be joining us as well. And uh, as you know, we touched on it a little bit yesterday, but I felt very ill-equipped to talk about it for too long. Uh, but today I think we're going to get a better chance to uh, process all that's happening in Minneapolis. Uh, and David Miles will be joining me. We'll take 60 seconds and bring him on. You've heard a talk show before, but maybe not like this. See, the question as you go this morning about worship is not whether you enjoyed it. It's whether God enjoyed it. When we hallow God's name in worship, we're not focusing on personalities or on performance. What we aspire to is the experience that God is really among us. Faith Radio. Psalm 5522 says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. When we don't know what to do, we can bring our concerns to God in prayer. Whether you have one need or many, there are believers waiting to pray for you. Prayer is powerful and effective. And with the Faith Radio Prayer Works online tool, we can pray for each other's needs in real time. Look for Prayer Works on the front page of our website at MyFaithRadio.com and invite others to join you in prayer. Prayer Works on MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. David Miles is going to be joining me. He's a life groups and leader development pastor at uh, New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. And I know he is, uh, has a heavy heart today, and he's also been talking to a number of other pastors uh, relative to the subject of uh, the arrest in Minneapolis on Monday and the subsequent uh, problems that Minneapolis is having as a result. David, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Bill. Good afternoon, Rebecca. And of course, uh, our audience knows you well because you're a, a stable uh, guest on Mondays for for Miles Arnold Maxwell uh, mid afternoon time. So thank you for uh, spending time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah, I would love to uh, start this hour just uh, covering it in prayer. It's a very a difficult subject, and I know there's a lot of raw emotion. And I think we go to God first just to uh, seek his face and ask for his protection. So, Heavenly Father, we're coming to you with open hearts. Uh, We want to look into your word and see the things that you have uh, given us to do and and to know and to understand and to be comforted by. Thank you for uh, allowing David to come on and and talk. And I pray that all the listeners who have got concerns and things they want to get off their chest, they can do in a godly way, and we can uh, pray this together in your son's name. Amen. 
Yeah. All right, my friend. What's your re, uh, your reaction to all that's going on? Oh wow. Um, where to where to begin? Anywhere you um, like. I know for many that it, it, as they're looking at some of this, it seems like wow, this this really surprising uh, event that's happened, and it's kind of been splashed across the uh, the world and and across screens and stuff. Um, but guys, actually, this has been a long history uh, for the Black and African American community in the 400 years that they've been, you know, uh, brought to the United States and in the United States. And so, um, I guess, you know, um, you know, sometimes you keep thinking you're going to hit the, the 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 unbelievable, but you know, nowadays you keep seeing the what I call the believable, unbelievable, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and in ways, you know, um, Bill and Rebecca, uh, hurting, um, numb. Um, I probably say that it becomes um, most difficult to contemplate when I think of my sons and my nephews and uh, the reality of what's what's facing them. And you know, this is a this is a multiple daily occurrence. It just doesn't always make it in in many of the main um, streams of, of of media. But this is a, a reoccurring thing, and I I think uh, for a number of people, you know, their their hearts are are deeply broken over this. And um, you know, for for many African American. You you fill the psalms where the psalmist would say, "How long, O oh Lord? How long will you sit by and 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 watch injustice and um, you know partiality and wrong scales and um, and the like?" So, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, being down uh, town last yesterday, and also over at 38th in Chicago the day before, you can you can see, you can feel, you you can hear the um, the visible uh, pain and the frustration uh, uh, that's there. And um, you know, Dr. King talked about how people. And he was the most non nonviolent person there was. And he didn't condone, you know, rioting and things like that. But he would talk about, you know, protest and and, and reaction in that way. And uh, you know, I know as one person said, some people are chastising the protesters of the same people who were applauding, you know, people carrying AK-15s and bazookas into the Capitol, threatening lawmakers and screaming in the face of police while at the same time ignoring Romans 13 that they say with others. But one of the things that's that's happening is that people are feeling, um, they're feeling this reaction to unjust, um, you know, second-class citizenship and, and um, not having representation and, and and crying out for so long and, and and sharing their voice and and you know this isn't the first time 
I mean, we have this event that many of us have long learned about of feeling like a voice wasn't heard and crying out to authorities and, and responding. And uh, we actually call that the Boston Tea Party hmm. in our history books where people took in and, uh, and went in and, and destroyed things. And interesting enough that most don't know about the Boston Tea Party is that actually the individuals dressed up as Native Americans as a means of that if getting caught, they could blame it on those people. And one of the things that people will never probably hear about in the news was uh, like one of the gentlemen uh, named Pastor Chris, his name was Cross, but down being downtown uh, yesterday and, and, and being around four to 500 young black men who were praying and, and asking God to move and listening to people on microphones saying we're, we're one community and, and you know, um, we need to trust God. We need to, you need to do this right. And, and listening to some young man turn around and he said to every person who's not African-American or black here, thank you for being here. And, and we love you and your voice is needed. And you might not hear that story because there are people who don't necessarily care about George Floyd, and uh, there are people uh, in similar ways who have come into our city from uh, from far right extreme positions, and even there's those that have come in from far left extreme positions uh, with you know Antifa or anarchist groups that are being funded by money from outside of the United States hmm. to be a part, you know. Russian money funding, and they're going through neighborhoods and whipping up things. And so, so even as we sat there last night, uh, they were saying, guys, you know, be about the right thing. And, and one of the reasons that we were down, a group of us, uh, there was a call to action given, and a number of pastors uh, who had been on a call earlier that day of about um, 75 leaders, uh, you know, a call was given for pastors come and just give a presence for for Christ and, and a positive thing. And the mayor asking for that and us coming down there to pray. And, and uh, uh, Reverend um, Richard Coleman from Wayman A&E, um, just a wonderful job of leading us in that. Other people, um, Carl Nelson, who works at Transform, and another number of other people gathered, uh, Jason Meyer from Bethlehem Baptist. And then also just a number of people uh, just being on the ground and, and saying the truth of the matter is that the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks to this. Matter of fact, it's at the heart of the gospel. And the world is watching. The world is desperately needing an answer that was found in the gospel of Jesus Christ that even though there existed hostility, first of all, between God and man, the Bible says in Ephesians that God made the two one, created one new humanity in Christ, tore down the wall of division and killed the hostility. And so we're in a time where the church needs to respond and be a witness that's far greater than our 
are smaller areas uh, of tribalism. Um, the gospel is greater and older and richer than even our country's founding of 200 and some odd years. Uh, the gospel is, is needed in this time, and, it, and it, it's going to require people standing up. And, and one of the things, guys, is that talking to leaders of color, black leaders, and even just other white leaders, you know, we need to be very honest about the reality of white supremacy. And all it is is compound favoritism. There's one pastor in where I would like to talk and, and, and mention it. And it's something that's embedded and baked into our, our country, into our history, into our actual Supreme Court laws. And, and so one of the things is dealing with that reality. And I know that's a term that maybe not many people are used to hearing. And, and some people um, even may be offended and struggle with that term. And, and, and hear why you might be struggling with hearing a difficult word. This reality is taking the lives of your brothers and sisters who are fellow image bearers that mm-hmm. Christ died for. David, let me take a short uh, pause. Uh, David Miles is my guest. And if you have a comment or question or you want to process what's going on in the uh, country right now, particularly in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, let me know what that text is, Back to the show. David Miles is my guest, and we're talking about uh, what everyone's talking about right now, which is uh, Minneapolis and the uh, rioting, and of course the um, the death of uh, George Floyd. So um, I did make a mistake, even when I talked about the arrest on Monday. I I, I called it the arrest, but forgot the word murder. So that's I got to be careful how I speak. So. Uh, yeah, you know, Bill, one of the things that was said by Ella Baker, who was uh, a singer and civil rights activist, uh, she said this in 1964. She said, until the killing of black men, black mothers' sons, becomes as important to the rest of the country as the killing of a white mother's son, we who believe in freedom cannot rest until that happens. And one of the things is that in ways we're still echoing those same cries today. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so David, I'm real curious to hear more of the uh, experience you had being down uh, last night and the night before. Yeah, um, you know, I'm kind of getting your days mixed up. Today's Friday, so yesterday. So Wednesday... Um, uh, I drove down and, and met a pastor friend of mine uh, at the uh, site where George Floyd died. And um, 
you know, as, as, as you're there, the, the realization of, you know, someone just ended their life there and even the way that they ended their life there and, and how that, without any sort of hyperbole whatsoever, guys could have been me, you know? So in this past couple of weeks, we've had several incidences that have happened where your listening audience would not be hearing me the next day had this very really could have been me at Ardbury going out for a jog. No one stopped to ask him, hey, are you spending time driving Bill and Rebecca crazy on Monday afternoons? No, they saw someone in the, fit the profile and decided to take that individual's life. And, and some would say, well, you know, he was going through um, you know, an unbuilt house. Well, where I live at, we have unbuilt houses around us. And, you know, as one lady got on, on uh, and made a comment in response, she says, I'm an 83-year-old Scandinavian woman. Are you telling me if I go look into somebody's house, I should be killed? And so Armand Arbery died by the hands, murdered. I mean, a, a good old-fashioned lynching. Mm-hmm. Then, then you have Brianna Taylor sitting at home in her house. And people bust in and she she dies killed uh you know reminiscent of botham Jean, a worship leader a fellow christian who sang the praises of god and someone walked into his own house and killed him so not even feeling safe at home and then you have um chris cooper who was in central park and watching birds and asked a woman amy cooper to reach her dog because that's what the ordinance is for birds. And in this very colorblind world, don't understand, she happened to say, I'm, she came to the guy, and the guy's like, please stay away from me. And she said, I'm going to call the police and tell them that there's an African-American man threatening me. And people began to watch as she did that and watched as her voice ratcheted up and as she strangled the dog that she was there with and proceeded to say, there's this man threatening me. I actually, and, I actually think she said a man, an African American man, threatening my life. Yes, and so you have this situation, and I remember watching that because, guys, again, I love hanging with you, but that—that's me in Elm Creek Preserve or downtown, someplace in some park, and some lady deciding. And I cannot tell you, there are countless men, countless black men who'd been killed, murdered, sent to jail over that type of foolishness. And she knew what she was doing. And, and, and honestly, th- there's a word for that, yeah. for, for the McMichaels and for those that are saying, oh, they're good people. And for the same Cooper, that is evil. It's absolutely evil. And if you want to PS it, you can just say, it's demonic, what you're doing. And for those who are like, I disagree, I could strip out the modifier to the person being black and an image bearer, take it back a couple of decades and put my very best friend's family, who's a Messianic Jew, and put Jewish in there. And people would be like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. That's, that's wrong. And it's not wrong because it's the modifier that it happened to. It's wrong because it's the image bearer that it happened to. Mm-hmm. And so the reality that... You could just be wanting to enjoy yourself. And we have countless stories of 
you know, people calling black people for, you know, water and, and barbecuing and, and sleeping in a room because uh, they're a student at Yale and so on, Airbnb, driving. The whole, and so then you have George and uh, you see him lose his life. And, and um, one of the things that's important to note here, guys, is that oftentimes with people who are African-American and Black and, and they're killed, they get assassinated twice. They're first physically assassinated. And then what comes afterwards is the assassination of their character, which usually has as a ringing chorus refrain of, they must have did something to deserve that. Mm -hmm. And so on the one hand, you know, and, and they were talking on our call, the difficulty of seeing police officers prosecuted um, in these types of cases. So yes, the officers did charge, but we've been down this road where people have been charged and there's been evidence and there's a long history of people, people um, just being acquitted and, and the like. And so, so with, with a Fernando Castile, which this brings back up, it happened to him and people afterwards were like, he's smoking, you know, marijuana. What did he do? And, and I know a family member who asked another family member, they're like, well, we just need to get more information. You know, what, what happened before this was Ahmad Arbery, before he was shot? He was jogging. Uh, that's what happened. And, and actually 12 minutes they spent chasing him. Or, so the question often becomes, so what did this person do that they deserve to die? But interesting in Minnesota, in our particular city, we have this kind of contrasting events both of them heartbreaking. So you have a Philando Castile killed. And complete silence from Second Amendment people and the NRA that a lawful carrying person was killed. Uh, and then a very contrasting, and, and listen, you know, and heard lots of blue lives. And, and, and I, I want to make a, just a brief statement here because sometimes people will hear and they'll think yeah, African-American. It's like, listen, I have more horses in this race than most people that can, can imagine. So, so one of my very close friends, 20 years of the police, another very, one of my best friends in Ohio is a police captain, oversaw the SWAT. Countless people I know in law enforcement. My brother-in-law one time served as a chief of police of a small town. And, and, and I'm so anti-police that in Xenia, Ohio, where I was from, it was the police department that made me an honorary chaplain before I moved back to Minnesota. And, and I'm so such that way you can go there on August 4th and do to the chief and the department and the city and the city council and the mayor, they named that day honorary David Miles, Pastor David Miles. <laughs> okay. That's crazy. So, David, so, let me take a little break just because we're up against a hard break. And oh, okay. I will be right back. David Miles, life groups and leader development pastor at New Hope Church here in the Twin Cities. We'll be right back. If you have a question or a comment you'd like, I'll get it on the air after the break. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. David Miles is my guest. 
is the Life Groups and Leader Development Pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. And we're talking about what's going on in our great city of Minneapolis. And right before we went to uh, break, David, you were uh, telling me about your being elevated to chaplain of the police uh, department in Ohio where you grew up. Well, actually, I grew up in I grew up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, that's what I meant. So, you know, Ohio is where where I lived. Uh, actually, a place where no one could understand why no one no one understood like Swin and Swin and Oli jokes or Oli and Lena jokes. <laughs> yeah, they're like, why did you name your child Oli? Why'd you name him Swin? And I was like, well, why did you name your child Bubba? <laughs> and, you know, so it was it was good. But I'm from Grand Forks, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, you know, home of the sandbag. Um, also a place where Charles Thurber, uh, due to the Amy Coopers of the world, was lynched off the Bobo Bridge, and the and the Emperor Dragon of the Clan was a Presbyterian pastor. So, wow. So one of the things that's that's critical in these conversations. Um, you know, Jamar Tisby has a great book called the, the, uh, the, the color of compromise. And oftentimes people will say like, what do we do? And it's, you know, you have awareness, relationship and commitment. So part of the things is, is, is just being aware. Um, but going back to your earlier thing, now that we digressed a little bit to North Dakota, shout out to Grand Forks and, and to the Fargo station, KFMW up there, uh, one of the things um, about living in Ohio, it, it gave opportunity to support to the community. And I'm, I'm very much just an imperfect person, an imperfect husband, father, pastor, and the like. And so I was really shocked simply because of loving people that they would, they would you know, say, hey, we want to name this day after you. And the point isn't me. The point always is the point to Christ because... Uh, you know, but it, it's letting people know a little bit about who you are. So when you speak about various things, people kind of get in their mind that you fit the description of something. And so, so my heart was was feeling as I was down at the site, saying, "This is where this is where George George died," and and our city has experienced this this contrast. So you have you have you have. Uh, Philando Castile, uh, who died in that manner, and 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 very much then, you know, the difficulty of police shops, and it is difficult work, and they are very much in my regular prayer, because I have that many people in my life that that do this, and and so, um, and that that was clearly articulated, and and while I was at the site, I saw this sign. And it was just a comment for the, the Fraternal Order of Police because they were like, let's wait until we get all the facts and, and those various things that are said. What was interesting was another case that we had in Minnesota, and that was the killing of Justine Diamond. And that's horrible. I mean, like horrible for her, for her family. Um, Philando Castile's mom and their family developed a really close relationship, sadly, through that tragedy. But all of a sudden, the concerns of the the, the dangers of the police jobs and Blue Lives Matter, and that went strangely quiet. And it went very silent. And just the response different from people was like, well, you know, and it wasn't even that he was a police officer, it was that he was a black Somali Muslim. And, and so now we're back at another case here where we have another officer who, who kneeled on someone's 
neck and uh, immobilize three other officers around. And for eight minutes, you see that. And so when you're, when you're standing there and you're looking at this and you're, you're seeing a place where someone took their last breaths and even they cried out for their mom, which has to be something for the heart of mothers when they watch that to actually think and see your child. So as you see protests breaking out and even things happening throughout the country, it's, it's because there's lots of George Floyds in a lot of cities in America. Mm-hmm. It's just that this George Floyd, due to technology and video today and our, our very mobile society, people saw. So, but people there were, they were being respectfully, they were hurting, they were, they were, some people just were just standing there and some people were just like, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm honestly very numb about it. And in that particular situation, I was. I I didn't have a lot of emotion because I don't think I was really feeling. And, uh, but it wasn't like until my, my, one of my dear youth pastors I work with came and, uh, and talked to me <laughs> and he has my kids. Uh, and and helping them disciple them that it really hit me even more too about my sons you know and how to raise sons who honor well and love and are excel in so many different things but that someone could look at them and say I'm gonna kill you so that that's kind of what I was feeling mm-hmm. Bill and and it's still kind of hard to you know process um process this i'm with you david we're all trying to struggle to process this right now um i've got a couple listener questions i wouldn't mind asking i'm not sure either of us could uh, address this question very well but why are uh, many police with a long and clear negative history allowed to continue on the force well you know there's a there's a thing by which there's some arbitration that can happen that even for a number of pleas, they end up going back. A lot of people don't know about this bill. Uh, in 2006, there was an FBI a bulletin that was released, and it actually didn't get light until really about 2011. And it was sent to law enforcement about the concern of the infiltration of military-trained and others, people who identified with white supremacy and white nationalism, and how they were infiltrating and, and entering into police ranks. And, 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 and be really clear about this. A number of police officers, they are good and they really care about communities and they, they really work hard to provide service. But there are those and they're not. And, and you keep seeing these stories come up where you'll find that there's these Fortran threads and all of them share tattoos and, and they, they, um, have kind of they have an anti-black bias an anti-person of color bias and i think one thing that would be helpful for people to understand is this one number as it relates to so much anxiety and so much stoking of fear and the number is 2043 in the year 2043 the united states will no longer have a majority culture group of people so whites will no longer be the majority and and for some people that's terrorizing. Um, it was terrorizing that in the last election, uh, last election, the election before was, no, it was actually the last election, was the first time 
uh, that there wasn't like over 70% of the people that voted who are white. So you're seeing this thing. And so sometimes people are feeling a certain threatening uh, of that. And so, um, and, it, and it causes kind of a, a difference of, of lived experience. So for police, even when, because oftentimes when people hear about the interaction of, of black people with police or non, uh, with people of color with police, um, they're kind of like, I don't know. There was a poll that was done back in 2014, and they asked the questions on the difference between white and non-white born-again Christians. These are born-again Christians. And the question was, believe police unfairly target people of color. 24% of white-born, again, believers said yes. Only 24%. But 82% of non-white-born, again, adults felt yes police unfairly target people of color. And that's a pretty massive spread, you know? Mm -hmm. So so one of the things is that, yeah, you, you will find other people that are behaving badly and they'll get kicked out of one department and they'll go to another department and they'll get hired there. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, and that, that, that's sad because for Derek uh, Shaman, the person that um, killed um, George Floyd, he had 18 prior complaints. Wow. So the person who killed Tamir Rice, the 12-year-old who was shot dead within two seconds of the police pulling up in Cleveland, the person that shot him had actually been kicked out of another police department. Mm -hmm. And he had just started in that one. And so there's, there's just this, this concern but brothers and sisters, I need you to pray, you know, for our law enforcement and to pray for our police and to pray for others. But one thing that people don't even know and even understand that even the tenuous relationship between blacks and police, it has a historical background. You see, back in the day, you know, back after slavery and going into Jim Crow and things like that, uh, there, there was a period of time where uh, slave patrols, these were groups that were, were charged with keeping blacks in order, but also going after and finding blacks and bringing them back. They became kind of a law enforcement of that time. Mm -hmm. that, that relationship has continued to be that for some people, they don't see peace officer here to help me. They see um, someone here to occupy and then make sure that I that I stay in stay in, in this one place, or as one person uh, had said to a friend of mine who was an African American police officer, he said, "I work in the city to keep you type of people from living in my neighborhood in the suburbs." Mm -hmm. You know, and so so that's part of it. And mm -hmm. So, but demand more. I mean, for those who are in our listening audience, ask those questions and demand that you have. As a believer, you can speak to the issue of what an image bearer is. And when you see things happening that you know is wrong, then speak, use your voice. And if you question whether I really think that that's wrong, just put your child in that situation. Mm -hmm. All right, David, I love all my listeners. There are m many wise and insightful ones. And uh, a listener named Valentine said, in the context of repeated murders of black men and women what does justice look like 
Well, justice is one, we have to understand that it's a very biblical thing. And, and justice is, is a rightness of righteousness that shows itself from God. So in, in, the, in the case of so many people being murdered in this way, I, I go back to Ella Baker's statement that people would be just as concerned if these were white mothers losing their kids as black, that, that there's a justness on both sides, that, that, if, that if someone is killed, we don't just merely just brush that off and say, oh, you know, no big deal. Or wait a minute, did, did they ever smoke weed in their entire life? Well, that justifies their their death. It's it's unjust, and I think what's happened with this one is people saw the inhumane and the callous disregard for another human being uh, in this. We believe that it's we're pro life. We believe it's unjust for the taking of human life, but that doesn't just happen until someone's conceived. Mm-hmm. You know, we we believe in justice, rightness of God's kingdom, his kingdom ethic, and his kingdom rule, and his name being glorified. And so we want to see, when we see unjust lending practices, that's wrong, you know, and that you that you know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when we see that happen in our schools, when we see that happen medically, you know, there's a large number of people who are dying from COVID-19 and the majority of them are African-American. And some people are like, well, they need to take better care of themselves. Well, maybe part, but you have to understand part of the systemic and structural discrimination and racism that's existed in our country for 400 years and still finds its way being, you know, still in operation. So, so, um, it, and one of the things is we don't talk often about justice because people get so concerned about it being, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're a social justice warrior mm-hmm. and you're concerned about social, you know, so, well, if you, social just means people. That's, that's where we get from sociologists. And justice means rightness. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes a person who's a warrior feels very passionate about something. Yeah, but if if you want me to de- describe someone that I that I know who embodies that, well, the two people I know would be Peg Benneke and Krista St. John, both who work for the Robinsdale Women's Center. Mm-hmm. They believe in justice for unborn people. Amen. They believe that society is operating in a way that's wrong against those unborn people, and they're very passionate about it. Yeah, David, I'm going to need to take one more break, and then we'll be back. I'll take a short break. David Miles is my guest. Welcome back to the show. David Miles is my guest. He's a life groups and leader development pastor at New Hope Church, New Hope, Minnesota. We're talking about uh, what everyone's talking about right now. Uh, another question came in, David, uh, if you don't mind. Let's see. After weeks of lockdown, why would we be surprised by extreme civil unrest, particularly among the poor and disenfranchised? There seems to be a disconnect between affluent Christians and the effect of the lockdown on the poor. Uh, you know, 
we recently had a COVID-19 call of pastors and leaders that uh, Jamar Tisby, author of Color of Compromise, and again, recommend this book to you. Uh, he talked about, you know, um, in times of flooding, you can have people living in two different areas and people can be living in the lowlands and people can be living in the highlands. And in some ways they can have, you know, some similar resources, but that type of flooding, that type of disaster is going to affect them differently. And, you know, um, in this COVID time, there's been the brunt of feeling some of this, this kind of flooding, the storming that's hitting people in the lowlands. And the lowlands just didn't exist because people didn't have gumption and, and, and good Puritan work ethic, you know, some of this disenfranchisement, some of this of this um, systemic discrimination has been around for a while. I recommend to your audience, mappingprejudice.com. It talks about the Twin Cities. It talks about housing covenants. It talks about redlining, blockbusting. And so people would buy homes and then people would white flight. And so they'd buy a home for $30,000 in the city and $30,000 in the suburb. When they sell their homes, that person might only have 40000 and the other person has 400000 And so part of some of the, you know, even unjust laws and things that were based upon race uh, are impacting people differently. So yes, we're going to see those things. Guys, I, I do want to speak to something because a number of pastors in the Twin Cities had begun to see this very issue. And through coronavirus, a number of churches were needing to, to close and to shut down um, and due to COVID, and, and that was affecting a number of things. Um, and some churches experienced life in the highlands, and they had more resources, and their cities and suburbs were structured in that way, and then some have experienced less. And one of the things that was started with a group of pastors was something called BeTheChurch.org. And BeTheChurch.org actually has a thing called the One Fund. And this is something that people can participate in. And what it is, through churches and through Transform Minnesota and Pastor Andy Gray and others and overseen by a diverse group of respected leaders in the Twin Cities, we were feeling that um, there are churches that are struggling and that this was an opportunity to live out Scripture to live out the body of supporting one another so that these ministries continue to flourish during COVID. This is before the whole thing with this last week. Um, but there is an opportunity. Um, be sure that you're still, make sure you're supporting KTIS and, and your local stations. But I also want to just let people know that due to COVID, we're trying to make sure that the Big C Church, Body of Christ, is actively engaging our world and being a witness for Christ. So there is a fund out there that's been established to help churches within the Twin Cities area and around to be able to, to be sustaining through this COVID time. Mm-hmm. So David, what what can what can the people living in the Twin Cities, what, what can we do? What action can we take? What's a good response? Well, you know, besides be the church, uh, you know, I know one gentleman, Bishop David Johnson, was going to be meeting with uh, Pastor Edrin uh, Williams from Sanctuary. And simple things like, because of what's happening, and even because of people that even have come in from the outside that don't love our Twin Cities and things like that, they were going around getting plywood and actually um, 
a shuddering places, mm-hmm. you know, just to protect them from some of the things um, of other people's other people's agenda. I would speak speak out. I mean, like talk to your representative, talk to your officials, talk with your family, and 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 explain one. This is unjust. This is wrong. It does not show the heart of Christ uh, for image bearers. Mm-hmm. You know, and actually, you know, I have my question. Sometimes are what are you going to do when you're with other family? And people begin to dichotomize and say, well, you know, those people and this and, and almost do kind of a Jew Gentile things. Will you be okay upsetting your family and calling out grandma on her sin? Or will you slide back into the ambiguity of just merely being a part of a dominant culture and letting that go? Educate yourself. I mean, that's why I recommend Color of Compromise as, as a book for people to look at. Uh, one of the top questions that often gets asked um, to to one gal named Robin D'Angelo who teaches on this, people often say, you know, what do we do? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to do next? And she, as an, uh, an Italian-American sociologist, she actually said, you know what, I want to help you, but I have a challenge for you first. The first question is, why don't you know? And she would say, it's 2019, and you know, how we managed not to know something about racism and that people of color have been telling us forever and the information is everywhere. But this is the second challenge that she gives. She suggests that people take out a piece of paper and write down why you don't know what to do or how to address racism. And then you'd actually find your map. Now, nothing on it would be easy, D'Angelo says, but one of the one of the first things that you'll probably find out was I wasn't educated. And as I mentioned to you, finding out more information, you know, check out black media that's actually going to report on the number of things like this stuff is what, what's happening here is a very regular thing. Um, so so ex- exposing yourself uh, to that and having an understanding and you're just living out Romans 12, uh, rejoicing with those who rejoice, but also mourning with those who are mourning. Mm-hmm. David, I'm going to let Rebecca jump in here. She got um, a call. I, oh, I yes, I, I, I do. Well, I've, I've really been enjoying hearing your perspective and your heart. Um, and I was kind of listening with half an ear because I had a caller on the line as well. And I want to ask this question well, um, that this listener is concerned about um, the making sure we preserve the presumption of innocence because people are saying things like murder and that's an official term. And right. And and Which then I his... Mean, and I, I now take back. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait till I get to the end of the question. Okay, good. And the, I think the question is, we, we all hope that people are presumed innocent until proven guilty, but that the process has to work fairly for everyone involved. And I, I, I'm i sure we're kind of all on the same page, but the question is, you know, how do we be sure that we are getting a full, you know, all of the facts, that, that everything that we know is encompassed? And I think you addressed that a little bit, David, but would you want to speak to that a bit? We have about a minute yeah, I, left, unfortunately, David. Yeah, I, you know, we want to see those things happen. Um, I'm going to start with an earlier premise to this. And this is why there's oftentimes the double assassination of Black people is because oftentimes if a crime is committed against a person of color, it's like, well, let's see all the facts. Let's get all those things. Those things are true. And you want that. 
But oftentimes when a crime is that a black person commits, there's not that. That's like, well, they're guilty. Like the McMichaels brothers, they're like, well, we presumed him to be the, the, they fit the description. So we took justice into their own hands in that. And so when you talk about justice, that's what we want justice to see, that, that a person could be rightfully look at the information and stuff and have it be feared and judged in judicious, just and judicious manner in both of these situations. But often what ends up happening is it becomes not a, well, you know, uh, Mr. Floyd was an innocent person. There goes this dirt digging thing that says, oh, well, do you know what he did two hours before? Do you know at one time in his life he got suspended in eighth grade? And so if for the audience who's listening, for a lot of black people, they don't have trust in the system. They don't, they don't have trust in the process because they've spent years talking about this and, and showing this. And, and, and um, Mayor, uh, Governor Walls cited as we're closing up the Rodney King thing. And out of that came a riot. But one of the things that happened is that there was actual video evidence of four people doing that and the persons were still acquitted. But you're right, uh, that there should be um, a thorough scene of it. But as of this moment, um, the district attorney, Mike Freeman, has charged uh, the officer, former officer, with murder and manslaughter. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.